the panel talking about marriage and family today. We are going to be looking at, uh, we, we in, the, in our series, why am I here for goodness sake? The question of existence and why am I alive? And we exploring, exploring the book of Genesis and working out what it means to be human. What's the purpose? What, what am I meant to be doing with my life? And we are going to be looking at this particular scripture today. If you can just move on to the next slide. Thank you. It's from Genesis 2, and it's really the definer of marriage and family for the whole Bible. It's kind of the first mention of it, and it's what God uses to inspire his, uh, or, or reveal his understanding of marriage and therefore define it for us going forward. So I'm going to read it to you and then we'll pray. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its space with flesh. Next slide, please. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. We, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Lord Jesus, we want to explore this topic yeah. well. Lord God, we, we, want to, we want to know what your heart is for this. Lord God, I pray for every single person here. Lord God, that we would receive your truth, understand your truth, and be able to apply your truth. Holy Spirit, I pray and ask that as we share, you would give us insight and understanding, Lord God, and you would cause the revelation of this topic to be real and life-giving to every single person in this hall. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 It is not good for man to be alone, darling. I feel like yeah. I feel like it's not good for women to be alone either. So I'm no, very, I'm that, very yeah. grateful. Mm. I'm very grateful. <laughs> it's not good for men to be alone when you know, when supper's about to be made. You know what I'm saying? There's there are moments. There are moments. And <laughs> I don't know about your marriage, but it's not good for Andrew to be alone when he's choosing the colours that he's going to put together for his outfit. Please don't. Yeah. Or curtains. <laughs> took me 32 years to learn that. <laughs> but, uh, darling, I want to, for, tho for those who don't know, this is Pastor Handsome. Hi. He's Pastor Andrew, but to me, he is Pastor Handsome. Um, or he's Wonder Man. But Wonder, Wonder Man, I just, I was, I was driving the other day, and I was overawed by, um, we, we had had a bit of a rocky day. Um, I'd been particularly grumpy. I know it's hard to imagine. Mm -hmm. I know it's hard to imagine, but I had been particularly grumpy, and Andrew had been so kind the whole way through. And at the end, I had to just capitulate and say, okay, he's a great husband. <laughs> I can't be grumpy anymore. But as I was driving a little while after that, I, um, I thought about this. I'm so grateful to you for loving me. 
I'm so grateful to you for loving me through the ups and downs, through my grumpy moments, through my uh, periodic dragon mom incidences. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just really, really grateful. And you know what it's done? It's allowed me to see, to see God in a new way. Wow. That he loves me no matter what. So I'm so, I'm so grateful. Thank you. Well, you know what, beauty? You know, I, I grew up in a dysfunctional home. And when I got married to Carol, I thought I was pretty okay. And then God showed me what a mess I was. And you actually were the one who helped me to normalize. I was a mess, seriously. Carol taught me what it meant to be a normal person. And you've been the greatest and most positive influence in my life, beauty. Thank you, Wonder Man. We, we should, should get, get married. married. The kids are getting old and big, and <laughs> the kids are having kids soon. I mean, we should get married, doll. We should get married. So I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to you about three reasons why marriage is important, and then Andrew's going to unpack that scripture and look at leave, cleave, and become one for flesh. So God placed such, such value on marriage that right at the beginning when he was defining everything, he made a point of defining marriage to us. So that means to God, this, this concept of man and woman being together is very, very important. And so I want to define that to you and, and speak about why it's important. I, wa I want to just first of all speak to everyone here who's not married. You single, or you've been married and divorced, or you, you've never been married. I want to say that it's important nonetheless to talk about marriage and for you to hear about marriage for a number of reasons. Firstly, it's important because perhaps one day you are going to be married. I, I'm sure that most of you are trusting God to be married. And so it's important to get the foundations down right before you get married so that you can go in with the right understanding. Yeah, yeah. Second of all, God does place a high weight on marriage and... Um, and so it's important that everyone in a community understands that so we can all honor marriage appropriately, singles and married. And we can, we can honor the space of married couples and we can honor the space of, of um, families, but also we can be brought into those families to participate in the life within those families and understand how they function so that we can fit in well. Good. So for all of you, this is an important topic. So why is marriage important? The first reason that marriage is important is that it was instituted by God. Yeah. Now this is important because if God instituted it, God gets to define it. Yes. Next slide, please. There's a scripture in Genesis when um, God was... Sorry, I'm going to talk about Matthew 19. So <laughs> it, says, it says there... I'm going to stand up because I can't keep yeah. straining my neck behind yeah, me like that. Yeah, do that. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let not man separate. In other words, God saying, this is my institution. I get to define it. I get to, I get to orchestrate it. I get to say what it is and I get to say what it isn't. This was not invented by man and therefore it cannot be defined by man, my, ba my mankind. So, so God is very clear what marriage is. Yep. Marriage is uh, an exclusive relationship between a man and woman. It is a covenant until death do us part, and it's monogamous. That is what marriage is. Now, yeah. there, are, there are many different um, relationships that happen um, in, in society that like to call themselves marriage. But God defines marriage. Yeah. 
So I'm not denying that those other relationships exist. They're just not marriage. That's what we need to understand. Marriage is between a man and a woman, one man, one woman, for life exclusive. That's what marriage is. Nothing else. No more, no less than yes. that. Yes. Amen. So if God instituted, God gets to define it. Marriage, second reason marriage is important, it forms the foundation of a healthy society. Yeah. What that means is that God, when he, builds fam when he builds society, he builds it through families. Now, if you're single, divorced, or widowed here, you might say, well, then does that exclude me from the buildings of society? No, of course not. But it is the reason that in this church we build through small groups. Because what we are doing is we are creating family environments in which everyone can belong that can contribute to the building of society mm -hmm. because it's God's model. You see, God builds through family. He builds through small units that are vulnerable and accountable to each other, where there can be real relationships that can hold one another and to account and call one another up to a higher standard where there can be vulnerability and safety where where you are able to grow in a way that there is a supportive environment around you did you know that research has shown that people who stay married for a long time until re retirement versus people who have never been married or who have gotten divorced and not remarried that people who have remained married until retirement have 75% on average more wealth than the other, the other category. What, what this is illustrating is it's illustrating that marriage is beneficial to the individuals yeah. and to society. Yeah, absolutely. That it creates something. That mental illness is lower amongst married people than it is amongst non-married people. Yeah, sure. Now, if you're not married again, don't feel de de sad. Oh, my gosh, you mean I can't be wealthy and I, I'm going to have to have mental illness. No. <laughs> Get into small group, group relationships that are accountable and real. Find spiritual family within this environment. The second... Well, the third reason that marriage is imp important, oh, sorry, I've got a scripture that goes, so just to prove that I'm being biblical. In Genesis 12, when God was, was speaking to Abraham and making a covenant with him that would eventually lead to the Messiah coming, he said this, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Interestingly enough, darling, I don't know if you knew this, but that word families there can be equally translated clan, people group or nation because yeah. you see in Hebrew thought family and nation were synonymous in other words when you built the family you built the nation yes next reason that marriage is important is that marriage bears witness of God's intention to dwell on earth with mankind yeah, that's right. Ephesians 5 tells us that that marriage is an example of how Christ loves the church and in Revelation, we hear about at the end of all time, Christ will come down to earth and there will be a marriage supper between yeah. Christ and his church, that we are the bride of Christ. Yes. So marriage represents to the world a picture of how God loves us. 
So like I said in the beginning, when Andrew's love represented something to me, it represented the, the unconditional love of God who's loved me through my ups and downs. Mm. So marriage to the world gives them a picture of who God could be to them. And it draws them to the love of God. Amen. Yes. That's, that's my reasons. Amen. Amen. Over to that's you, Wonder Man. darling. That's good. I discovered how to turn a handheld mic into a lapel. <laughs> and that's why men wear jackets and talk into their pockets. <laughs> darling, that was amazing. I, I, you know, I just have to say marriage just gets better if you push through. It always gets better if you push through. And so many people, the first little thing that hits, they're like, oh, man, you know, I'm out of here. But uh, Carol might get a chance to share some other research that Tim Keller had referred to uh, about people who choose to not get divorced and push through. And, and uh, you know, we've, we've kind of recognized that scripture, iron sharpens iron in marriage. And how many of you who are married, how many married people here today? Great. How many single people today? Okay, how many in-betweeners? All right, how many of you wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I said? I, I see that. You know, Moses, when he writes Genesis, Jesus, throughout the Gospels, and then in the passage that Carol alluded to in Ephesians, say the same thing about marriage. And so when God says something three times through Scripture, it's quite important. And uh, what God says over here, we can go um, to the next Scripture. That's the one. Jesus, speaking, refers to what was written in Genesis. And he says, haven't you read that at the beginning the Creator made them male and female, right? Two become one, not eight become one. Two because Carol put it down there, right? Man and woman, married for life. And then he said, so for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother, will hold fast or cleave to his wife, and they will become one flesh. Like it said in Ephesians, this is a mystery. How do two people become one? God does it. It's a miracle, but it's a type of Jesus in the church. So they're no longer two, but one. Therefore, what God has joined together, let man not separate. Now, I want to just quickly look in the three, four hours that are left to us this morning. You know, but, but look at this. In the beginning, he made them male and female. But there's something unique about man, something very unique. Because when God created all the animals, he created them male and female. And so then he gets Adam, who has no female, to come and name all the animals, right? And Carol read that scripture. So he's naming the animals with God, him and God. And God's like, so I alluded to this last week in, in my message. But, you know, he's not my mess, my message. Yeah, some of you might have thought it was a mess. I don't know. So he is naming the animals with God. That probably took a long time. And as he's naming them, it's not just ant or giraffe or rhinoceros. It's Mr. and Mrs. Rhinoceros. Mr. and Mrs. Giraffe. You catching what I'm saying? And, you know, throughout this process, he's going, I misses a Mrs. Oh. And, oh. and he's in this process. And why do you think God did that with Adam? God wanted to show man that you are unlike any other creature I've created. Because I want to be your first love. I want to be the one that you pull to closest first. I want to be the one you run to for every one of your needs to get met first and then when you've developed that i will bring a woman or a man into your life 
And God wanted Adam to know, Adam, you're going to build with me first. We're going to know each other deeply. It says in Corinthians that while we are single, we can build with undistracted devotion to the Lord. And we used to teach this a lot on campuses, still do that. Our period of singlehood is not, what do you think singlehood is for? Looking for a husband. No. Looking for a wife. No. Singlehood is undistracted devotion to God, trusting that when I'm ready, he'll bring someone else who's ready and we can work together towards marriage. And so we must recognize that Eve was not the first thing God gave to Adam. The first thing God gave to Adam was himself. And then when he brought Eve, his heart was that God would be at the core of that relationship. Adam would continue to make God his first love. But mankind continues to perpetuate the Adam mindset where we put our loving partner before God. Did God say, oh, but Eve said. And we all know what happened next, right? We see the fruit of it. <laughs> um, but I want to say this, that Carol and I have done quite a lot of marriage counseling, and even in our own marriage, I can tell you now, and many divorce and marriage counselors will ratify this, is that one of the greatest issues in marriage, one of the greatest causes of marriages falling apart, is trying to get from your spouse what you're only meant to get from God. If you're not one with God first, you can't truly be one with another person. And if I get married because I'm insecure and she's going to make me feel better about myself, I got married thinking I was ugly and she just called me handsome all the time and now I know how handsome I am. You know, <laughs> women, you're getting married because he's going to protect me and he's going to be the one who makes me feel emotionally whole. And, and you know, we, we get these ideas as we take people through pre-marriage. Why are you getting married? Well, he's going to do this for me, she's going to, and we have to say, no, only God can do that for you. Because if all we do, like I said last week, is look at each other in intimacy, we ain't going to get nothing done. But if we build an intimacy with God, we can stand shoulder to shoulder, in love with each other. Out of that intimacy with God and one another, we get to move forward and do stuff as a team because we're strong in Him. And so God brings us together and we have these three keys. Leave, cleave, and become one flesh. Can I touch on those quickly? And if you are not married... Work towards building this in your heart so that when you get married, you're not trying to draw something from the other person that you haven't built in God first. Amen? Amen. So when you get married, friends, the first thing he says is for this reason, you will leave your mother and father. Now, culturally, under the Hebrew culture and at the time of Jesus, when a woman got married, she was automatically acknowledged as no longer part of that family. She was acknowledged as becoming now, she belongs to the husband. But that was not always acknowledged about the husband. That's why it's said, a man shall leave his mother and father as well. In other words, both of you leave. <laughs> Say it with me, leave. So we did a marriage counseling course with Howard Hendricks, brilliant guy. In fact, a lot of our pre-marriage material we wrote uh, based on some of Howard Hendricks stuff. Great teacher. But he said this, parents... How many of you are parents here today? That is a parent. Great. Parents, the role of a parent is to train your children to leave. Now, here's a problem. 
in many, many cultures, my children getting married is seen as an extension of my family and they're going to look after me and I'm going to still tell them how to lead their lives and I'm going to still have authority over them and they're still going to be beholden to build the way I want them to build. We have to break that. Some of the greatest tensions in early marriage, in early married couples, is parental interference. Parents, leave. Uh, I, let me say this. That word leave does not mean move to another house. It's the Hebrew word which literally means forsake and abandon. In other words, you're not saying I hate you. You're not saying I'll never relate to you again. I'm saying this family, this authority, I am cutting it off to form a new authority family here. We no longer relate under the authority of our parents. We still honor them. We still honor them. We still visit them. We still build with them, but the relationship's different. You no longer tell us what to do. So when, especially when you're planning your wedding. Because most parents think it's their wedding. I'm paying. We're doing it this way. We don't like that. No, we're doing it this way. I'm well, then don't pay. Do a smaller wedding your way. Do, you know, don't compromise. But I want to say this. One thing we learned early in marriage especially in our marriage wedding planning, was the parents both had very different ideas of how this wedding should look. And we had to learn very early to say, great idea, Carol and I will talk about that and get back to you. Carol, oh, great idea, mom, because the parents always wait till the other one's gone. You know that husband of yours? <laughs> well, okay, mom, I hear you, but Andrew and I will talk and we'll get back to you. Yeah. You immediately establish, you know, we are leaving we, we can have a different set of values because the two of us, you can never have both people who are raised in very different homes, very different cultures, very different values, very different ways of putting the toilet paper on the roll, very different ways of squeezing the toothpaste, that suddenly you must both retain your family of origin, everything. You'll never work. So marriage is a process of laying all that aside. It's not just leaving my parents, it's leaving behind how we did stuff to say, how are we going to do stuff? We've even said to young married couples, we suggest you spend your first Christmas away from home. Do you want to say something? Yes, we said that, but they didn't. <laughs> and it's I'm just grateful. a suggestion. They left and then they came home every now and then. It was great. I think that's the right combo, you know. So let me say this. Parents, if you let your children leave, they'll always want to come back. If you don't let them leave, they won't want to come back. And then shall cleave or hold fast to his wife. This is also an interesting word. You know, there's a reason we use a ring as a symbol of unity. So the ring is like God's unending love, no beginning, no end. But this word for cleave almost talks about two rings coming together, two independent circles woven into like a figure of eight. In fact, when they cut covenant in the Old Testament, they literally walked around the animal that they had cut covenant using in a figure of eight to say two independent circles coming together. It literally means to weld together in such a way that if both were separated, they'd both be broken. So God establishes through this word, this is covenant. There, are only, there were multiple covenants in the Old Testament. There's only two in the New. The covenant between a man and his wife and a wife and her husband and the covenant between us and Jesus. And this is an illustration of that. 
And so this covenant literally means when I get married, it is for life. How many people think that these days? We'll get married, we'll try it out, you know, there's benefits to marriage, common accounts, you know, whatever, yours is mine, mine is yours, whatever it might be. And, and, but if it doesn't work out, oh, we could get a divorce quick, quick. It doesn't really work like that from heaven's perspective. And so this word, you know, cleave, hold fast, it's more than just holding hands, you know, like that picture over there. Holding hands before marriage is a sign of love. After marriage, they say it's an act of self-defense. But <laughs> Sorry. Darling, now you are walking close to the edge. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. But have you noticed most jokes in the world about marriage are negative? That was just an example. Bible says he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. So let's think about marriage positively. When your friends are joking about marriage, our oh, marriage is a ball and chain. No, it's not. It's victory. It's freedom. It's power and authority where two can put 10,000 to flight. We need to start changing the mindsets of people around us. And then they shall become one flesh. This oneness that God speaks about, it is a mystery. It's a mystery, this one flesh. You know, it, that again speaks of a covenant and when they cut covenant in the Old Testament, it was for life. And it was saying, if something happens to you, I'm going to be there. And that covenant doesn't mean stuff's not going to go always right. It doesn't mean it's, you're always going to think, oh, this is just beautiful all the time. Iron sharpens iron. Tim Keller wrote an article called, You Always Marry the Wrong Person. <laughs> His point being, after being married for a while, you're going to say to yourself, I think I married the wrong person. I think I've only thought that about five times in our marriage. Yeah, I, th I think about five. So, so I'm going to wrap up with a little story. So um, <laughs> in the early days, I told you I was a mess, right? So I didn't know how to do relationships properly. So I was messing up again. And Carol was just fed up. And that wasn't because of a big meal. And <laughs> she, she decides, I've had enough. I'm going. I'm just leaving this house. I'm getting out of here. You can stay here and just... Be what you are. She grabs the car key, storms out of the house. It's 10 o'clock at night. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, well, what do I do now? My wife has left me. She's left me. Where's she going to go? It's 10 o'clock at night. She'd go back to her parents. I'm sitting there thinking, how do I get her back? Was this before cell phones? My this was, well, I didn't, I didn't have a cell phone at that mm. time. You had one. No. Oh, okay. So she's gone. I'm sitting there and I'm praying for 20 minutes. I'm like, God, help me to do better and all the rest. And then suddenly I realized, wait a second, as a security measure, I always turn off the garage motor at night. Can I, can I carry on the story? So me, I am determined to show him that I don't need him. I absolutely don't need it. So I've got the car keys. I'm going out. I don't know where I was going, but I was, I was going to find a place. You know, I'm like, I, I'm done. Get into the car, press the remote to open the garage, and it doesn't work. And then I realize, oh, my gosh, the electricity has been turned off to the garage. The only place to turn it on, on is to go back into the bedroom where he is and turn it back on. And I'm, like, sitting in the car, and I'm thinking, I refuse point blank to do that. I'm, so I'm just going to – so I just basically sat there. <laughs> Yes, yes. It was a lovely moment because I then finally walked into the garage and kind of sheepishly looked in the door and we both just laughed and made up. 
Like, so, you couldn't leave me. So all my indignation just evaporated because he looked, he did look quite sheepish when he walked in and I felt completely sheepish. Like, how could I forget this? All my dramatic leaving is like just totally negated by this ridiculous situation. So we, so we made up and it was wonderful. So friends, let me close by saying this. Marriage is not about marrying the right person. It's about being the right person. And the only way you can be the right person is to be one with God, the way he created you. Ecclesiastes says that a three-stranded cord is not easily broken. And that's talking about God being the third strong strand that makes your marriage work. Do you want to share, just refer to that research yeah. from Tim, and, and then we also want to pray for you guys. So Awesome. The research wasn't from Tim, but he, uh, he, he reported he re it. We talk about Tim Keller as our great big buddy, you know, Tim. Yeah, no, good old Timmy. <laughs> but um, interesting, in, interesting research show that, that in marriage, obviously, there, there are some tough times. And when they surveyed a whole lot of marriages, they found out that, that most marriage, married couples were significantly happier than than their unmarried counterparts um, who weren't in close relationships. Uh, but they found out even marriage that marriages that weren't happy, if those people stuck to the marriage f for another five years, every single one of those after five years wa was happy. So it just, I, and I, I feel this has been true in our marriage, yeah. is that the longer we've stuck at it, the more we've had to work through our own personal issues. I mean, you, you're, you're locked in this relationship, and you're trying to change the other person a lot, and finally you realize they're not going to change. So there's only one alternative. I have to change. Yes. And luckily, they're thinking the same thing. Yes. Luckily, they're thinking the same thing. So over time, time, uh, you, you tend to kind of, you tend to become better people. And the truth is, the longer you stay married, the happier it gets. Yeah. The longer you stay married, uh, the more intimate it gets. Yeah, absolutely. The longer you stay married, the more fun it gets. The, long, the longer you stay married, um, just the more joy you experience in your marriage, the more adventures you have. Come on. We've had some adventures. We've had some adventures. 53 years this year. <laughs> so we are going to pray for pray for you guys but we before we do pray we, w we want to set you a task so if you are unmarried here today what we're going to ask you to do is ask yourself some questions this week and I want you to ask yourself this question is how can I um, deal with stuff in my life in my relationship with God so that I can grow closer to him and so that when God does bring my marriage partner along I will be I will be better equipped for that relationship so I would love you to ask yourself that and start working on something in faith for whether you get married or not, that you would be a better person. And then for the marrieds here, we'd like to give you, we'd like to give you a task. And that is, would you please go on a date this week? Yeah. And on that date with your spouse, please leave the children behind. Yeah. It's just you and your spouse. And on that date, we're going to ask you, to ask one another a question. How can I be a better husband to you? How can I be a better wife to you? And if an argument starts, just stop it right there, okay? And just take time to meditate on how you can, how you can make your marriage stronger going forward. And then you're gonna ask another question. How, how, oh no, you're not gonna ask another question. You're gonna tell your spouse 
something that delights you about them. And they're going to tell you in return, kind of like what Andrew and I did in the beginning. You should probably start with that before you, you say, how can I be a better... <laughs> yeah, I, th I think that. See, see how we make each other better. You see that. You see it in action. And now we, and now we want to take some time to pray for you. So I, I'm going to ask if everyone could stand. Wonder Man, I'm going to ask you to begin. Oh, Father, thank you. You're a family long before you even created the earth. You created us to be in family, to come from family, to build family. Your church is a family. And, and we acknowledge today as we stand here, many, many different people in different stages. Single, newly married, long married, divorced, widowed. And I bless every one of them right now. I bless their families of origin. And I, I ask that you would restore in every heart here your view of marriage and family, where it's been distorted, where it's been broken from their experiences, we ask right now, would you just give up that broken image you might have because no one came from a perfect family. No one had perfect parents. Some of you might not have had parents. Many of you didn't have both parents. And Lord, we just ask right now, restore, restore. I declare over every person in this place, married, about to be married, later to be married, that you will build heaven's pattern and you will not make the mistakes of the past. You do not need to. I cut off any assignment of the enemy to repeat mistakes of the past through the generations. It is cut off. You are released by heaven to walk in victory and establish a heaven kingdom built marriage that reflects Jesus and the church beyond your ability by his grace. We bless every marriage here and even those online. Some of you in your marriages might be going through a rocky time, but we bless them. Why don't you pray for the marriages this morning, darling? Lord, I want to thank you for every married person here. And Lord God, right now in Jesus' name, we just cover these marriages with your blood. Holy Spirit, we ask for deeper intimacy. We ask for greater joy. Yes. We ask for greater understanding, for clearer communication. Holy Spirit, I'm asking that you would surround them with your favor like a shield. You would surround them with the fire of your presence, Lord God. I pray, Lord God, that you would give each of them grace yes. to love better, to live better, to communicate better, to understand better. And Lord God, I'm asking that each of them would have their relationship with you grow in a way that contributes to the well-being of the marriage and the family. That's right. Thank you, Father. Right, Thank right. you, Father. Yes. Thank you, Father. Can I pray for the singles also? You can just Thank follow you. Jesus. Lord, right now I want to pray for everyone who's not married right now. Lord God, I just, I just, as Andrew prayed earlier, I just cut off any disappointment, any anger, any, any um, feelings of, Lord God, that they've been passed over. Lord God, I speak to their souls and I say, God has good things for you. God has good things for you. And right now, Lord God, I'm asking that you you would give them the self-control, the courage to walk through the season well. Lord God, I pray that you would become to them a husband or a wife, an intimate partner in yeah. such a way, Lord yeah. God, that Father God, they, their hearts are full, their lives are full. Lord God, I pray that they would do the season well. Father God, I pray that you would become the central most important fact of their life. In Jesus' name I pray this. Thank you, Lord. Amen and amen. Amen, amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand.